Let the wild rumpus start. All eyes are on Iowa today as the caucuses to nominate a Democratic presidential candidate are underway. Could it be that upstart Andrew Yang is making a last-minute challenge to Tom Steyer's towering lead in the standings? Hi, I'm Philip Blumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Term Limits Movement for the week of February 3rd, 2020. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. You might ask what standings I'm talking about. Here at No Uncertain Terms, we don't judge the candidates solely by polls or crude vote counts. No. We track how often and how forcefully candidates inject congressional term limits into the public debate. And by this measure, tech entrepreneur Andrew Yang is rising fast. U.S. Term Limits Executive Director Nick Tombalides is with us to discuss this and other news. Hey, Nick. So, Andrew Yang. What's going on? The Yang Gang. He's the tech entrepreneur who is uh, bringing a lot of creativity and fresh ideas to the presidential contest. Happy Iowa Hawkeye Cockeye, by the way. Today's (laughs) the day. Um, Andrew Yang has a very innovative proposal for congressional term limits. If you recall, what we've said on this broadcast is that chickens will not vote for Colonel Sanders. But let's play the what if game for a second here. What if the good colonel offered the chickens a deal? What if he promised that he would protect these chickens and only turn the next flock of chickens into a 10-piece bucket? Maybe, just maybe, that could work, and that's what Andrew Yang is getting at here. He is saying you might be able to get Congress to pass term limits if you protect the current incumbents, if you grandfather them in so that they are never term limited, and then once a member either retires, dies, gets indicted, or in the once in one in a million chance they lose, then that office will have term limits forever. And he believes that would accelerate the passage of this reform. And I think he's got a point. I do, too. It would definitely uh, take away some of the resistance that they'd have towards doing it. And importantly, he's using this as a key talking point. I mean, he sent out a tweet last week. He has added it to his stump speech when he stops. He's going on a bus tour right now around Iowa because, you know, he doesn't have to be in the uh, U.S. Senate this week. As a result of all this, pushing this idea, it came up in an interview that he did on television. Let's hear that. When we send people to Congress on our behalf, they should be there to do work and then come home. They should not go there and think, ooh, if I can just turn this into a lifetime appointment, I can just like squat here and never have to go back because D.C., so much money, the food is so good, like, et cetera, et cetera. Like, that's the wrong attitude. So I'm happy to say I have found the secret, the loophole, as to how we can pass term limits in Congress. Go to Congress as your president again a year from now. I will say, hey, you know what would be a great idea? Term limits, because then legislatures would be more dynamic. You'd have different leaders coming in, be more responsive to the people. You wouldn't have this entrenched culture that builds up. So here's what we're going to do. 12-year term limits for every member of Congress, but current lawmakers are exempt. Do you think they'll pass that the next day? Oh, yeah, they would. They'd be like, we do this for the American people. (laughs) Because they'd be grandfathered in, and they'd be like, check this out. I could become, like, one of the last people standing around here. But then eventually those people lose or age out, and then we end up with a legislature that's actually responsive to us. This is, again, one of the ways we can actually change things in Washington. You have to make it so it's it's in the zone of agreement (laughs) where you're not asking people to shoot themselves in the foot 
uh, to that degree. So what these people are doing is setting restrictions on the people that will come after them. So that's the plan, 12-year term limits. What do you all think? So there are some if, if you can't get something done in 12 years, you should come home. So there are some states that have term limits in legislatures, uh, states like Virginia. And what some people say end up happening is that you still have an entrenched culture, except it's in the f favor of lobbyists, because lawmakers aren't there forever, so they don't know the system. But lobbyists can be there as long as they want, so lobbyists are able to manipulate the system more because legislatures don't have the long history and the know-how. So how do you respond to that? All you have to do is look, look at what's happening in D.C. today. Like, do we really think that the lobbyists are losing because we have so much experience in the legislature that they're outsmarting the lobbyists at every turn? Of course not. We got, we got rid of the Office of Technology Assessment in 1995, 25 years ago. So Congress has literally been getting zero guidance on technology issues for 25 years. You know who tells them about technology issues? The technology companies. So are you really telling me that, like, oh, if you keep Congress people around, they'll actually be able to resist lobbying better? It, it's not borne out by our experience. Not bad. Fantastic. I love the point about lobbyists. The critics of term limits have been banging this drum for so long that uh, if you term limit Congress, you know, all the experienced legislators will go away and the lobbyists are going to take advantage of all the newbies and the rookies. And of course we know that's not true. Of course we know there are 12,000 lobbyists in Washington right now controlling everything, holding these uh, senators up like marionettes. And it's just the obvious truth to every American. What I love about Yang in this clip was he hasn't really needed to study term limits. He's just shooting from the hip as an American citizen who watches Congress, sees how horribly dysfunctional and broken it is, and knows that this argument is just a big steaming pile of doggy doo. That's right. So let's get down to the horse race. How is Yang doing in the term limits caucus? Um, he's moving up the rankings because remember when Tom Steyer got in the race, he grabbed the term limits lane without really realizing Yang was already in there. Yang had come out for this first, but I think he made a mistake because when Steyer emerged on the scene, Yang didn't do nearly enough to remind people where he stood. So now he's maybe realizing that mistake. He's seeing Steyer surging in a few states and wishing he could have those moments back, particularly in the debates and such. Yep, so I'm excited about it. I said he's rising fast, and I think that's true. He's mentioning it more and more. Um, it'd be very interesting to see both him and uh, Steyer in a future debate talk about this subject. We would also be a little bit remiss if we did not mention that uh, Andrew Yang did not come up with this idea of grandfathering in the current incumbents. It was actually an innovation of current Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Back when he was in Congress, he had had this idea uh, four years ago. He had floated it. He had not really pushed the bill or done anything with it seriously. But it was his idea first because he thought, you know, if you could protect this crop of incumbents, they would be more apt to vote for it. This is the On the Hill podcast coming to you from the studios of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. I'm Tom Fitzgerald. Our guest this time is Neil Simon. He is a former independent candidate for the United States Senate in Maryland, and he is currently the author of Contract to Unite America, 10 Reforms to Reclaim Our Republic. Let's go through a couple of these uh, these reforms, Neil, because I actually think they're, they're pretty interesting uh, and worthy of discussion. And I, I want to start with uh, the very first one. Why, why did you, first of all, decide there were going to be 10? 
So first, every one of the reforms in my book is supported by at least 60% of Americans, mm -hmm. some as much as 83%. Number three is the term limits constitutional amendment. You want members of the U.S. House of Representatives to be limited to three terms of two years. That would be six years. And members of the U.S. Senate will be limited to two terms of six years. Now, we have a restriction on how long the president can serve. We've talked for a long time in this country about term limits for Congress. The problem is it's Congress that would have to make this change. So how would we enact term limits onto politicians that don't necessarily want term limits? They all seem to be in favor of it when they're running for office, but once they get into office, not so much. So this reform is the most popular of all 10 of the reforms. 83% yeah. of Americans support congressional term limits. And even, I, I try to find out who's against term limits, and I think my answer is pretty much it's sitting politicians is that 17%. Because among the other people who are against it, if you ask them, well, does that mean you're also against term limits for the president and for governorships? 36 states have term limits on their governors. They'll say, oh no, I'm in favor of that. So maybe that's okay for Congress too. So it is hard to implement this one. So this is one of only two of the 10 reforms that requires a constitutional amendment. And there's a group called the US Term Limits that's mm -hmm. been organizing that process. And hopefully we'll be able to get that done. It's a, a hard one to get done. Why six years for the House, 12 years That's for the, the Senate? That's the way they've laid out their amendment. I'm not, I don't feel passionately about those numbers, but when you poll on this, the shorter the limits are more popular, meaning the American public supports short terms as limits, and that's what they support. One of the first. pushbacks you do hear, you know, politicians don't like to run around and say how they're against journalists. One of the pushbacks you do hear, though, from the politicians that are in power is that, well, you lose institutional knowledge. You, you, you lose um, some ability to, to have your hands on the, on the, on the levers of, of government. Would, would would any of that hold up in your view if somebody only had six years up on the hill in the House? So let me ask you, do you think Congress is this highly functional organization where we're going to, if we have term limits, we lose all these skilled representatives who are getting so much done for the country? Well, I think one of the I, dangers is, though, that then you put all that power into the institutionalized staff, and then you're having unelected people really with the hands on those levers. So some people make that argument, but I yeah. will tell you the lobbyists who in your theory would benefit from um, not having term limits, they all advocate against term limits. I mean, meaning you're, in your theory, they, they right. benefit from that. They all are against term limits and they'll spend money against term limits. So I don't think it's the case. I, I think what you see today is that our legislators, the skill that they're developing with their experience and their tenure is their skill at playing partisan politics and at fighting partisan game. The book is called Contract to Unite America, 10 Reforms to Reclaim Our Republic. And the author, Neil Simon, has been kind enough to join us this time on The Hill. Neil, we thank you. Thank you, Tom. Let's go down to Florida now. Uh, you went back up to Tallahassee again the other day for the second hearing for the bill that uh, would put on the ballot for this November eight-year tournaments on all the school boards throughout the state. What happened? We had a great outcome. After a hearing that at times got contentious because Tallahassee is the home field of every lobbyist in Florida, 
So we were overwhelmed by the swamp creatures, but we won anyway. We passed the House uh, Oversight and uh, Transparency Committee by a 10 to 5 vote. It was party line, unlike the last one, but it was still an overwhelming margin. And it was a a fascinating debate that took place because um, when I got up there, I really exposed the lobbyists for a major lie that they've been telling for years, which is that they claim people in Florida can put school board term limits on the ballot in their localities. And that's simply not the case. You can't do that in Florida. Has to be amendment to the state constitution. And so that was the case I went up there and made. Wow. But I understand that now that this bill is starting to move, it was at its second committee and now it won the second committee. At that hearing, you saw a big turnout of these lobbyists. Yes. Who are these lobbyists working for? Who are they representing? I know it's not the voters. Well, the most prominent one, he has three clients. He's got the Small Counties Coalition. He's got the School Board Consortium of Florida. And then he's got the Bay County uh, Board of County Commissioners. What does that mean exactly? It means that Florida taxpayers, 82% of whom want term limits for school boards, are inadvertently funding this lobbyist. They're sending money to politicians via their taxes who are then spending it on a lobbyist to try to thwart the will of the voters. (laughs) So voters are actually funding someone who is trying to undermine their will and their wishes in Tallahassee. That alone should be a scandal. It should be. It's really fraudulent because, of course, most voters don't know this is going on. No, people are totally in the dark on this. You know, these hearings only show up on the Florida channel, which I I think, you know, maybe only me and my grandmother watch ever. So, yeah, it's disheartening to know that the lobbyists are out there and that they are so adamantly opposed to this. Certainly not surprising, but what is good is that the legislators up to this point have not been listening to those lobbyists. They've been listening to the people of Florida instead. So we really need to applaud the members of this committee for their vote. Let's listen to your full remarks. Going into school board term limits, looking at some of the numbers on incumbency, the voluntary retirements have been discussed, but what hasn't been discussed is the invincibility, the sheer invincibility of school board incumbents when they do run for re-election. Between 2014-2016, they had an 82% re-election rate, and that went up in 2018. It became an 85% re-election rate. So school board incumbency is getting worse and worse, and unfortunately, we can't dethrone these incumbents who do run for re-election because nearly half of them run unopposed, meaning if you're a voter who'd like to throw out your incumbent, half the time you have about no choice to do so. We've got one school board member in uh, Columbia County who's been in office since 1976. 44 years ago. So we absolutely do have a big problem with school board incumbency. Do any of you remember when you were back in school and you get to go on a, uh, a field trip? I actually took one yesterday. I took a fun field trip to the supervisor of elections office in Marion County, Florida, because I've been listening to lobbyists in these hearings tell me that we don't need to do school board term limits as a constitutional amendment, that we can just do it at the local level. So I met a very kind and knowledgeable woman uh, named Kim. I think she's the operations director there. She's so smart, she's got the entire elections handbook memorized. So I said, Kim, how do we do a local option for school board term limits? How can the people of Marion put it on the ballot? Without missing a beat, she said, you cannot. It's not legal. Nobody can do it. There is no local option for school board term limits in Florida. She said it could only be done at the state level. Because school boards are not political subdivisions of counties, they are political subdivisions of the state, which means that this building right here, this body right here, is exactly the only way 
that it can be done. The attorneys for the Constitutional Revision Commission actually said the same thing. So without this constitutional amendment, the 82% of Floridians who want school board term limits, who hail from all sorts of races, ages, ideologies, education levels, and parties, they are at the mercy of local politicians if you do not act here in this building. And when you see a lobbyist come up here and say that there exists presently a local option for school board term limits in Florida, that is simply not true. It's a fraud, it's a hoax, it's a scam, it's a swindle. It's as truthful as a Nigerian prince offering you his inheritance. We see the way term limits have worked here at the state level and we like it. It has revitalized our elections, it has increased our diversity, gotten more women and more African Americans elected, and it has made us a leader in fiscal health. We see the 85% of school board incumbents getting reelected, many with no opposition, and we want to change that. Look, I realize one or two lobbyists don't like this amendment. I realize that they are actually being contracted by local politicians to thwart the will of the voters. But the people of Florida love this amendment. That is who you work for. That is who you represent. And it is our voice that matters the most in this debate. That was really great, Nick. You laid it on the line. At the previous hearing, we were fortunate to have support from Tina Deskovich, who is a, mm. an elected school board member in Florida. She supports term limits for all school boards, but she's also self-term limiting after two terms. So she's saying, I won't spend more than eight years in office. I want to be a citizen legislator. She's doing the right thing. And when she got up there on the lectern, she really made a powerful and compelling case for why we need term limits. Oh, great. Let's hear it. Hi, I'm Tina Deskovich. Just want to give you a little perspective as a current sitting school board member, my opinion on school board term limits. I support uh, having term limits on school boards to two term limits. I'm in my first term right now. I am running for re-election, but I've committed two to only two terms to all my constituents. I sit on many nonprofit boards, or I've sat on many nonprofit boards, and all of those boards in their bylaws, we usually have terms, even if you sit out for just one year. And we do that for many reasons, one of them being to bring in fresh ideas, new faces, people with new community connections. The education community, as we most know, is a kind of a close-knit, closed community. Uh, we have our own acronyms. We have uh, our own way of thinking about things. And I think it's, it's vital that the leadership in each of our communities comes in from, from parts of the community that aren't ordinarily there. It brings so much more to education. I was looking at the statistics, 85% of um, school board members that were running in 2018 were reelected, and half of them didn't even have uh, an opposition in the seat. So I'm a proponent of local control, and he spoke to my heart, the gentleman that was speaking against school board term limits. But my power uh, sitting on the school board is derived from the state of Florida, from the Florida Constitution. And so it's the Florida Constitution, I believe, that should direct the term of my service. And I think eight years is, is plenty of time for that service. In my first three years, I obviously, when I was running, had a lot of uh, campaign promises and agendas and, and things I wanted to change and push through in our district. And I will admit, it's a large bureaucracy at our district. And it's taken some time to get some things changed, but we've seen a lot of progress. And if I can't do in eight years what I promised to do when I was running for election, then I think I've got some issues. I don't want to take up much of your time, but I want to close just by saying, as, as a school board member, I definitely see the, the wisdom and insight to keeping my time to eight years. Thank you. That's great. What's the next stop for this bill? Next stop will be uh, the Senate Ethics and Elections Committee, and that vote is going to be taking place later this afternoon. The chairman of that committee, Senator Dennis Baxley, was the sponsor of school board term limits 
last year. So we know we've got at least one really strong champion on the committee. I believe there are others as well. So we're definitely looking forward to it. Okay, we'll have the result of that vote next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Uncertain Terms. After passing the West Virginia Senate two weeks ago, the tournament's convention bill, now SCR4, is headed to the House. The first stop is the Judiciary Committee. If you live in West Virginia, please contact the members of this committee and urge them to support the bill. We've made it easy for you. Just go to termlimits.com, and under the Current Actions tab at the top, you'll find the West Virginia Action page. It will take you two minutes, and they need to hear from you. Thank you for your help. We'll be back next week. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have the No Uncertain Terms podcast. U-S-T-L All right. Hey, by the way, there was like 30 uh, students and three teachers in Palm Beach County that were put into quarantine yesterday for potential coronavirus. The Pabst Blue Ribbon virus is a much cheaper and more alcoholic version of the coronavirus. (laughs) And sometimes you can get it bundled with a hot dog for $2 (laughs) once in a while. And it comes in bigger cans.